1: Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another, that's right, another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Dan here. We are post-Thanksgiving, post-food comas, and all of that wonderment that goes on. And I am joined by Nick. We know Brandon today, Nick, but I think we'll do the business.
2: Yeah, I think we're going to be just fine, you know, for for these types of episodes. While while Brandon is hard at work uh, opening another brand new facility, um, we brought in, Dan, one of our favorite returning Absolutely. guests of, of all time. And who might that be?
1: Well, I think it would be none other than the legendary host of the Chelsea fan cast, you find him on the airwaves, you find his articles on Football London, you find him at the back of the pub before the matches, <laughs> and I mean, really, just the father himself, Mr. Stanford Chidge.
3: Well, what a lovely introduction, and uh, I'm sorry, it's been a long time since I've been on your on your show, and I apologize for that, but I've been a very busy boy. Yeah, you're just trying to take over the world, it's no big no, deal, we, we get it. <laughs> I, I'm not trying it to, it, it doesn't, I'm not trying to, it gets handed to me, Nick, you know. Well, yeah, your you're, you're fiefdom and all, we get it. Yep, yep, that's right, <laughs> that's right, it was good to be back, lovely to speak to you again. Well, we
1: are excited to have you back, because we have a couple of things to talk about after the performance versus West Ham, mm-hmm. and what didn't happen in terms of getting all three points. uh since you've last been on, we've been doing an overall theme of the show and this is an opportunity for nick to give us a really terrible pun so nick would you like to do the honors (laughs) and really make the start of chidge being here just so terrible for him yeah the
2: (laughs) that's that's what my job is here at the london is blue podcast so uh the overall theme of today's show would be a sub par performance the substitutes didn't do anything so Mm, very good. good yeah okay cool Thanks, Tridge. Appreciate the support, Dan.
1: Well, John, uh, Jonathan note.
3: Kidd would be wetting his pants if he was on the show <laughs> with your pun. He loves it. He loves a good pun, does Jonathan.
1: Oh, I, I mean, I think he would still be waiting because we're waiting for the good pun. And not oh, right. Pun OK. We OK.
3: Well, let me have it.
1: Uh, all right. But just to give you all a heads up on what we're talking about, we're going to discuss how Stamford Bridge maybe hasn't been the kindest of venues to Frank Lampard's Chelsea. We're going to look at some of the rotation that he, Frank utilized or took on and put in some underutilized players and how they got on in this match. And then Reese James and a few others who are continuing to rack up some Premier League performances in their debut seasons, uh, like maybe a little bit, little bit, Uh, requisite Pulisic Chatter from the American Podcast. But, uh, Nick, we did get a couple of really good Apple Podcast reviews, and uh, since no Brandon here, I'll let you have the fun of maybe thanking people for dropping some five-star
2: love. That is right. Uh, As you know, five stars equal a shout-out. So Flash, 1704, NS Falconer, Dallas Fan, and a bunch of numbers, uh, Jack South, uh, and Marata, which is, that's an interesting one. Uh, the real Marata. Um, <laughs> he, well, he, he must not have listened to our show last year, Chich. Um, <laughs> so uh, thank you for the five-star love. We always appreciate it. It's the, it's the easiest way to make an impact on our show on the Apple Podcast platform to get us ranked higher and, and to get seen by more people. So keep on doing it.
1: It's very interesting. Actually, the full name was Murata is the Truth. And I, oh. I don't know if that is...
2: I think he's misspelt <laughs> I, that somehow. <laughs> uh,
3: maybe sure. it's an
1: anagram. We have to read in. We'll get a secret <laughs> d- decoder message. Uh, we also want to thank the individuals who support us on Patreon. So Joe Cromwell, giving us a, a little bit of love there. And Nick, I, I know you want to take a moment to announce maybe some changes to Patreon real quick and what we're doing there.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, as as it's coming out on Monday, December 1st, we we wanted to make sure that everybody... Uh, and our Patreon community had the information early, so they have it for, for about a week now. But we're going to change our Patreon levels really quickly, so we're going to do a 3 and a $5 tier. Uh, those tiers will come with uh, physical items now instead of just shout-outs and, and other things like our Discord server, which will remain intact. going to send them your underwear, are you, Nick? Well, I mean, that's what <laughs> the fans asked for, Chidge, so, you know, <laughs> let's, not, let's not short them. Um, <laughs> But we're going to do stickers. Actually, we're it, gonna it's, do.
1: It's, it's actually a raffle, Chidge. Uh, the, <laughs> the person who's the loser gets the, the pair sent to them. Okay.
2: As long as they're not soiled, that's all I care about. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> let's not let's not judge. Um, <laughs> we're going to do a $3 level that has a sticker that comes with the level Discord server access and many more goodies. We're going to do a $5 level that has one of our really cool badges and and the other stuff previously mentioned. We'd love for you to join. It's been a hell of a lot of fun. Our Discord server, Dan, as you know, is tremendous and uh even started having some FIFA Ultimate Team groups in there. It's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been quite wonderful. And, you know, with that said, I think it's kind of worth
1: saying that we also have been using that as the launch pad for some merch as uh we've been doing some scarves. I know that we had a chance to give Chidge one of the fine London is Blue Initial scarves, uh, it says the only team in London with a European cup on it, which is a, a healthy reminder to our friends in uh, East and uh, South and North, North. London as yeah. to what's going on. And uh, Nick, we've got a couple of those for, for sale coming up.
2: Yeah, we'll have a limited supply of those. Uh, those will be $20 shipped, uh, shipping included in the US and $25 internationally. Uh, you can PayPal us for those. We don't have our, our storefront set up yet, but we will at some point. Um, Contact at com is the PayPal. Um, Dan, how many do we have left? 40 or 50-ish? Uh, maybe less than that. So uh, there might need to be a run. <laughs> and if you don't get them, if you're not a part of this first shipment, we'll we'll likely order some more. So don't, don't sweat it. We'll just get those in the mixer.
1: All right. Well, with all that said... I think it's time to get into the match review. We've avoided it long enough. (laughs) It was a match versus West Ham. It was a London Derby. It was in the Premier League. It was at Stamford Bridge. And Chid, since we have been away from London now for a little bit of time, how was the atmosphere? How was the mood pre-match heading into this uh, this fixture?
3: How was the vibe? Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, uh, it was. I had a very busy day, so... Uh, I didn't have time to fart, really, but uh, I, I, I basically met Kerry Dixon before the match because he was uh, doing a bulk, because funnily enough, talking of Patreon, you, 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 are, you guys are brilliant on Patreon. You do loads of stuff like you're supposed to do. I am shit with our Patreon account, which is kind of a long-standing joke with my poor, long-suffering Patreon people. <laughs> uh, we do absolutely you did a nothing. banner. You did a banner in the stadium. That's pretty cool. Well, that's the only thing we've done. But what I've done is, of course, I've got a lot of mini. I call them mini carry banners. So they're like little replicas of the of the banner that that you see in the Matthew Harding end. Uh, but anyway, I, I've been trying to catch up with him for absolutely ages to try and get him to sign loads, and I got him to sign loads. So I'll be sending those out uh, next week and the week after. I But anyway. Yeah, so I was busy doing that, and I went to the stall as I always do. Caught up with everybody there. Um, The trust were doing another food bank collection, which is a really brilliant, worthwhile thing to do. And then I went to the cock, as you know, you you know it, love it. Yeah, and uh, I mean, loads of people were there. It was lovely actually because we had uh, we had a load of guys over from Sweden. Uh, So uh, I shall name check the fact. Freddie, Johan, Daniel, uh, who's the chairman of the Chelsea Sweden supporters group, uh Oscar, a bloke called Odd from Norway. Who, odd. Yeah. I, I, you, this is gonna be a shame because you're gonna everybody's gonna hear this joke again on the fan cast on Monday, but I I don't care. <laughs> so I said that's a very odd name and he did laugh. Uh but we saw a few of <laughs> your your guys too, you know Josh Winter, you'll know I expect. Of course. Uh, yeah. Who I've now I've known I've now known Josh for 10 years, we worked out yesterday, which is just brilliant. He's a so great Josh guy. Josh was there, yeah, because there were loads and loads and loads of Americans there yesterday uh shane was there as well who you know yeah so, shane. Uh, lovely yeah lovely to meet him dan i think got him sorted out uh him and his lovely lady uh i think, I think her name's Leia. i could be wrong but anyway um i think dan sorted them out for tickets so just met loads and loads and loads of people in the pub which is always brilliant um not enough time in the pub annoyingly we had to go watch the football uh <laughs> go. but the mood before was great i mean you know and i, I talked to to the love sport people Somewhere in between all of that, my kind of usual, you know, pre-match phone call with them. And I, I basically, you know, I love Frank Lampard. I love him like, like I love no other man. And yet he me look like an absolute spanner yesterday. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I was saying, you know, there's no way he's going to pick Giroud. He's going to pick Batshuai, because Giroud just doesn't suit the kind of football that we play. Hasn't played for ages. I mean, I know Batshuai's middle name is offside, but Frank will play Batshuai. <laughs> And all will be well with the world. And what happens? He picks you So I look like an absolute clown, you know, but there we go. I think at the end of the match, I, I, I don't know who, who was the bigger clown, but there you go. Well, let's let's kind
1: of go through that. So obviously the match did place, take place on November 30th, 2019. Scoreline was Chelsea Nil, West Ham 1. Cresswell with the only goal in the 48th minute, and we'll listen to that one more time. All right, and we will go through the lineup, which uh, was the embarrassing moment for Cinch here. Uh, as it stands, it was Kepa Aretha Balaga between the sticks, a back four of Emerson, Tomori, Kurt Zuma, and Rhys James. That's right, Cesar Espelicueta gets a little bit more rest. We did see the wonderful pairing of Kovacic and Jorginho have done very well this season. In front of them, we did see a little bit of Mesa Mount, Christian Pulisic, and Pedro. That's right. He is still a Chelsea player at the moment. Olivier Giroud had to get some dust knocked off, but he was able to start up top. Willie Caballero, Andreas Christensen, Cesar Azpilicueta, and Mishi Bacuay were your unused substitutions. And Angola Conte, William, and Callum Hudson-Odoi were the used subs in this match in the 63rd and 71st minute. Nick? You know, Chich gave his thought about who he thought was going to be starting, but maybe is this the lineup that you were expecting with the news that Tammy Abraham was out, and we also have a midweek match coming up. And we also had a midweek match the previous week?
2: i I was not. Um, I think the, you know the one that actually surprised me, but I think upon further review might have been the the right call was was Emerson getting the start. Um, I knew that you know there there was kind of a, a, a prevailing thought amongst fans before you know before the game that it's kind of now as Piliqueta on the left and Reese James on the right you know that's kind of their cemented roles given the recent lack of productivity from from other fullback options on either side and so i kind of expected Dave to get the start at home but um you know i guess against a team that was 16th in the table previously you should be able to start Emerson and not fear that you're going to give up a boatload of goals, right?
3: Well, you would have thought. I mean, you know, that seems to have gone under the wire with a lot of people that that I spoke to after the match. Um, it, you know, obviously Giroud starting was the main talking point, but uh, it went under the wire that Aspie didn't start. But I mean, clearly, I mean, clearly, what was happening here is that Frank was is resting players. Yeah, yeah. Now. I... I kind of I kind of understand that. I think I think Wednesday was a very very grueling match uh, mentally as well as phys- physically and I think I think this is the issue that perhaps we're going to see because if you look at the, the the match as a whole um I thought I thought Jorginho and and particularly Kovacic actually had their worst game for a long time and they've been fantastic all season they've been I mean I, I keep saying you know about the conundrum of Kante coming back you, you know, they're undroppable. So you have to have a midfield of Jorginho, Kovacic and Conte, which means you have an issue as to where you play Mount. But actually, I thought Jorginho and Kovacic had a really poor game yesterday. And I think they were tired. And I think the the fatigue is an issue. And I remember at the start of the season, people were wondering about this, that the style of football that Frank plays is very high energetic, high press, energetic football. And, you know, there, there was always a risk that people would start to get a bit fatigued, but I think for the younger players, I don't think it's a question of, uh, you know, because you, you sit there and you go, well, how can a young kid be tired, for God's sake? You know, they've got bags of energy. <laughs> well, I, I agree with that, but I think what they might be suffering from is a little bit of mental fatigue because they're yeah. not used to playing at this level. Um, you know, they were playing in the championship last year, a lot of them, and it's a big step up, the Premier League, and, you know, mentally, you've got to be on it. And I think that, I think there's a, there is a sign of, of, of fatigue Throughout the team at the moment, D- did Frank underestimate West Ham? I really cannot believe that he did, because you know there are people yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who know that when West Ham turn up to Stamford Bridge, they treat it like their Cup final, and they'll do anything to win. And Frank would have known that better than anybody. So I can't believe he he underestimated, you know, the amount that they would put in. Um, ultimately, that team was good enough to beat West Ham. Ultimately, we had enough chances to win that game, but we didn't stick them away, and that's what can happen. And
1: let's go through those top-line numbers as it stands. It was 19 shots to for Chelsea to West yeah. Ham's five, six shots on target to West Ham's four. We had 66% of possession there, 34. We had 87% pass accuracy, zero fouls, zero yellow cards, zero red cards. It's actually the first time that Chelsea have not basically fouled a game or kind of received a caution since... Opta actually started tracking that data, which is a really uh, you know, interesting nugget of information. It would be better if we won and also did that. Uh, three offsides, nine corners to their three. And as it goes with the game of expected goals, which is Nick's favorite stat in the whole world, <laughs> expected goals for Chelsea, 2.7 to West Ham United's 1.2. It mm. just wasn't clinical enough. So as we take a look at that, Nick, and maybe transition in here to some of the larger talking points. It seems like, and maybe I'm reading this wrong, there might be a little bit of a home challenge. I mean, his first home defeat to West Ham since 2002. You know, we've had 19 shots on target to their six, uh, or 19 shots, six on target. Five of those shots were blocked. And this is also the most shots that we've had in a home game without scoring since losing to Bournemouth in January of 2018 where he had 21 shots. Concerned about that? Do you think it's more about the the fitness level? What, what's, what's, what's your reading on this situation?
2: Yeah, I think fatigue, you know, certainly, you know, as Chage mentioned, mental and physical fatigue from Wednesday, which was a – Wednesday was one of the craziest matches of football I've seen in a very long time where you could make a really strong argument that both teams could have won five, three, <laughs> you know, it's just, it was just one of those uh, matches. And I think, you know, to come back from that and to play a team like West Ham, who you know are going to set up shop to defend, um, you know, maybe hit you on the counter with Mikel Antonio, who, you know, is, is a handful in his own right and, and just try and nick it or, or to, to get a, a result, you know, at a one, one draw, maybe it was always going to be difficult, but I, I think Chelsea still haven't uh, figured out a way to beat convincingly beat these low block uh, defensive teams. You know the teams that are not going to press you really high and leave a lot of space in behind, and and I think that is a a challenge for Frank moving forward because he's going to see a hell of a lot of it. And if fatigues a problem, you know it's not as if the fixture list gets any easier from here on out. (laughs) So it's going to be a big challenge for him.
3: I'm not. I don't know if I if I you know completely agree with that i I, th- I think i think the the fatigue is an issue in in terms of you know the team he selected plus jo- uh, and kovacic not being at their best i don't think they were you know i mean i said kovacic was poor i said by their standards yes but i i mean they're, they're good players i think you know the reality is as i said we we had enough chances to win that game and effectively we were playing with 10 men i mean Giroud was was so poor and so unsuited to the way that we play. I mean, I know that they they were they were very much trying to uh, take advantage of the fact that he's a very good header of the ball, so they were putting crosses in, uh, expecting him to get on the end of them. But, I mean, you know, it, it, it was the most Higuain-like performance I've seen from a striker since Higuain. I mean, he was <laughs> that immobile and, and really that off the pace. I mean, I can understand that he wouldn't be match-sharp because he hasn't played for ages, but, you know... He's just so immobile, and that's why I couldn't understand why he he didn't start u I Because you know Batchuai has many faults. We know that, but if you stick him in the penalty box and he gets on the, in the end of something, he he will usually score. He's a good goal scorer. So you know the reality is is that I don't think we will struggle per se to to break down teams that come to Stamford Bridge to defend. Although perhaps uh, the statistics might bear that out. If we put our chances away, then this is not an issue. And I think the bigger problem that we have is that we, as Frank has said many times, we are not clinical enough at the moment, irrespective of whether Tammy Abraham is playing or not. And we need to do better. I read a stat somewhere, um, which I'm going to dig out, actually, so I shall waffle while I'm digging it out. But I read a stat somewhere. Uh, I think it might have been, funnily enough, on the the, the official uh, website. You know, they do their pre-match briefing. Yep. But it's uh, to do with uh, Chelsea's uh, rate of conversion. And luckily, I'm I'm looking back at my script from last Friday because I know I highlighted this. He lied. Uh, Now, here we go. Right. You love your Opta stats, don't you? Um, Of course. Right. Opta statistics rank the Blues only 17th among Premier League clubs on conversion rate of big chances. 17th out of 20 that's not good enough that's the problem you know if we don't put the chances away and we are creating a lot of chances i think but if we don't put them away it doesn't matter who we're playing we're not going to win uh, and and
1: when you look at who we're relying upon to score you know, i think you know we'll we'll pull up maybe the conversation around christian pulisic for a moment you know we, we used to have someone like ed nazar who was a match winner in his own right when you needed a goal in a lot of situations where someone wasn't producing it, he would find a way. Uh, much like the last goal that he scored against West Ham for us, which was a, a brilliant goal. Christian Pulisic is about to hit his highest goal total if the next goal he scores or tie it rather for last year in the Bundesliga at seven total goals across all matches. The match winners that we had on the pitch yesterday. None of them, you know, I mean, Pedro has struggled to convert any opportunities this season. I mean, William is not a 10-plus uh, a goal season individual in, in his career. The individuals who do a good job of converting, like Tammy Abraham, um, were not present on the pitch. And we can't always count on N'Golo Conte Nick, to be the individual who's going to find a way and make a way uh, with a little bit of distance. Yeah, you know, we, we weren't yeah. really getting any opportunities in the box, so we had to try to convert from outside. And that just wasn't happening yesterday.
2: Well, well I think that's part of the problem. And, and maybe, Chij, what, maybe I can revise my testimony a little bit here to say um, my – I think my problem with yesterday's performance might might not have been the amount of chances created or that West Ham were in a low block and we couldn't figure out how to deal with them. I guess my problem was that it was very much like a sorry performance where we ran out of ideas. Yeah. Um, you know, there there how many times in the last 20 minutes did the ball get recycled out to William? who maybe took a guy on, maybe didn't, put it in a lackluster cross. The ball gets backed out to N'Golo Kante in the midfield, and it goes to Reese James, and it goes to William, and he puts in another bad cross, or he puts in a bad corner. I mean, and it, it wasn't just William. That was just one example of the lack of ideas. And I think when you don't have a striker like Tammy, who's willing to make the odd run in just to do something different, or Christian Pulisic you know, himself, who I think had a decent you know, first half, ran out of ideas or was getting fouled every other, you know, kind of moment. Um, I I think the team just really, really struggled mentally. And and that's, that's
3: kind of, well, uh, yes, no, I mean, I look, I, 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 this is not in in any way meant to be patronizing, uh, but this is, you know, one of the, one of the, I think the, the most justifiable arguments about why it's different being at the match compared to watching it on the TV because you only ever see the director's cut and the director follows the ball when you're at the match you see the whole pitch and for so many periods particularly in the last kind of 15 20 minutes when west ham were really trying to you know defend very deep shut us out and hit us on the counter they were defending with 11 men behind the ball and it's really really hard to break through that and really that's why they were passing sideways and trying to find a bit of space trying to pull people out of position trying to go wide trying to switch the ball I, I I don't think that they ran out of ideas. I think West Ham did a really good number on us there, but ultimately I think it's down to the execution, and and this is where it fell down. I mean, William I thought was shocking for the the few minutes that he came on because invariably, he, you know, when he crossed the ball, you know, he managed to as he often does find the first man. Um, so I, I think I think you sometimes need to give the other side credit, and they they did a good job, you know, defending in numbers and frustrating us, and of course. You know they were rolling around on the floor every time they, they 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 you know got knocked, and they were wasting time and yada yada yada. So it happens. I mean, ultimately, you know, if you, if you if you, if there's a criticism to be made, I think it's it's just that it's just being you know lack of being clinical. You know, just not taking the chances that you're going to get because in a game like that, when West Ham defending like they are, I mean, here's the other thing, Nick. You know. I thought this when that goal went in. I just thought, this is just so annoying. That is the last thing you want. Frankly, a bit of shoddy defending. And then suddenly, that, that falls right into West Ham's game plan. They came there to mug us off and nick a result. And, and it just, it worked perfectly for them. And it was all, I just felt, I mean, the, the guy who sits in front of me as we were leaving, he just said it was never going to happen today. And I, and what he meant by that was we could have probably played that for five hours and still not have scored. It's one of those days, one of those games. I think that's a, a really good shout there. Maybe it'll, it gives us an opportunity to talk
1: about uh, the goal and some of the shoddy defending there or the, the lapse of judgment, you know. We've seen Reese James now get a couple of opportunities, Nick, and this is one where I think for the majority of the match was delivering some great crosses into the box, was finding a way to put the ball in dangerous positions. But the bounce or the understanding of when to uh, maybe not get get run by or run too far ahead of a player, and uh, maybe that player pulls back in and can convert an opportunity – uh, this was probably the the one unfortunate mark on a otherwise pretty strong performance yesterday.
2: Yeah, I agree. I thought, you know, going forward, you know, and and trying to manage Antonio, I thought that Reese was was really strong. Um, I thought that he had a really solid day out, and you know, continues to show all the you know all the reasons why people want him in the side. Uh, defending though left a lot to be desired to me, and especially getting back on, on the counter attack. I think our team as a whole struggles with that change, but, uh, but the goal clearly was, was Reese kind of over anticipating a run to the byline and, uh, and that left it open, um, for, for a really clinical shot to be converted, to be fair. But, um, you know, he was certainly not close enough, uh, to Cresswell to, to, to make any sort of, play well. he wasn't touch
3: tight. That was for sure. But I, I also think that, uh... You need to point the finger a little bit at Zuma, bless him, uh, because sure. you know standing like a statue with your hands behind your back is not really a very effective way to block a shot. Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of the Gary Cahill school in his last couple of years, where he it would drives the- me up the wall. I mean, I know they're freak. <laughs> I, know, I know that they're worried about giving away a penalty, but I just cannot see, you know, how how you can defend like that. And, and you know, it, you know, he was the second line of defense. Once Cresswell beat uh, James, then. You know, he could have moved forward or tried to get in the way or anything. You know, I mean, it was a good goal. Cresswell put it put it away, in the only place that he could have scored, really. But uh, you know, if you're being hypercritical, I think you can also point the finger at Zima. But I do I do agree with your initial point, Nick, that we are, you know, with 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 midfielders like Jorginho and Kovacic, and uh, I mean the wingers that we had. I mean, Pudilasich is, is, you know, he's got pace to burn, but Pedro. Certainly hasn't, and actually, you know, Pedro's kind of escaped any opprobrium so far this evening, but oh, I love we'll him. We'll get there next. Yeah, well, I love him to pieces, but I think he's gone. His legs have gone. You know, all right, well, before, he did, where was he? He was halfway up the pitch when that attack was happening, and of course, Cresswell is his man. All right, well, before we
1: let Chidge go on about Pedro and where <laughs> he feels his career might be heading at the moment, we will take a very quick break, and we will be right back to dive into that and in a couple – couple of other topics about the match at hand all right Chidge, we we held you off for a few seconds, so we can definitely return the conversation scepter to you and allow you to go on about uh, Pedro, who also had to have a little bit of the dust and rust knocked off as he headed onto the pitch today and was was challenged
3: yeah, I mean look again he's he's not had much game time, of course he was injured earlier on in the season, but i just I just think that he's. You know, his legs are possibly going a bit, uh, you know, which is a shock. I think he's a super, I mean, you know, Pedro has won everything in the game. Uh, an absolutely superb player. But I, I do think he's reaching the end of his Chelsea career. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen in January because of the the, the transfer ban. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I can't see us letting anybody go if we can't get anybody in. Um, but I have a suspicion that uh, Giroud and Pedro are, are coming towards the end of their Chelsea career. Um, but I think, if anything, look, you know what what this revealed is that something that we've we've known all along. And I think I think Frank made a really interesting point, reading between the lines, which was, you know, we've all been getting really excited about how how well we've been doing this season. I, I, I honestly, hand on heart, didn't expect us to be you know, third or fourth in the table at this stage of the season, playing as well as we have done, winning as much as we have, entertaining as much as we have. Um, And in a sense, perhaps we were in a false position, you could say. And I think that's kind of what Frank was alluding to, because the reality is we do not have the depth in the squad. You know, effectively, you've got one, two, uh, you know, three with Tammy, four players uh, in the youth team who, under another manager, probably wouldn't even... Oh, and and Hudson-Odoi, five, who probably wouldn't even be getting a game if uh, we had another manager in charge. Um, You know, they would probably be, you know, sitting on the bench. So the fact that they've been starting and playing so well is an absolute bonus in my book. But when you're, you know, when you're calling upon the likes of Giroud and Pedro, who I think are past their best, then I think you've got a bit of a problem. But we knew this already. We couldn't buy any players in the summer. We lost at Eden Hazard. You know, it was inevitable, I think, that we are going to get the odd match like this. So I think it's the time to kind of stay calm and and, and have some perspective on it rather than... I mean, I'm not suggesting for a minute that you guys are throwing your toys out, but I just think we just need to be, have a bit of perspective on it because you know, our squad is a bit thin. Uh, I
1: think it's opportunity to to tether ourselves back to reality and not allow yeah. the expectation shifting that occurred throughout the course of the season so far with positive results early on, going toe-to-toe with Liverpool in the, the Super Cup, I think, obviously changed a lot of people's opinions very early on. A, a great run of form heading into, you know, a five, six-game win streak was exceptional. And now we find ourselves... A little bit tail between the legs, trying to just kind of come to terms especially as we watch some of the other teams that maybe we've poked fun at earlier in the season start to find some some form, find some results. Uh, as we record, yeah, Manchester United have gone ahead and uh, would be only six points behind us if they can hold this result. Spurs with a managerial appointment that uh, they wouldn't even mention the name of Mourinho dur- on the fifth stand broadcast with uh, Jason Cundy until the very, very end of the match uh, yesterday. Um, they are now six would be six points behind us. So I, I think that's where if we look at it holistically, the challenge, Nick, is that people are seeing other teams start to pick up results where we felt like we had a little bit of a cushion previously and now there's a little bit of a you know, much like Post Thanksgiving, there's a little bit of a tightening of the belt here, and uh, it doesn't feel too comfortable.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think with the good comes the bad. Um, when you go on a, a run of six unbeaten, you know, at some point you're going to get beaten. Um, it, you know, unfortunately, I think maybe to Chidge's point, this team will have uh, higher highs and lower lows this year than we've experienced in the past, um, and and that will all kind of. Yeah, I think we're gonna look back on this season, Chidge, and you know it'll be one of the biggest roller coasters we've we've been on in a while because the team, I think, when they have confidence, are gonna fly, and when they lack it or or they get into a rut, are are really gonna struggle.
3: I do well, I do, but I mean, it, look, it's been it's been brilliant so far this season. It's been, I of mean, course. look, the reality is the atmosphere. You know, one, one of the things you 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 well, you, I can't remember when you were over. Actually, when were you over?
2: Uh, no September, I mean. September. Right. So we saw Against Liverpool. It's the great
3: Grimsby Town. Liverpool, right. Grimsby
2: Town and Brighton. We saw those three.
3: Okay. Well, you would have seen the atmosphere in and around the stadium at the moment. And it's just fantastic. Everybody is really happy. We love Frank Lampard. We love what he's trying to do. We love the fact we've got these exciting youngsters that are coming through. Um, but I think, as I said, maybe we got carried away with ourselves a little bit. Uh, you know, we... We, we, we've been on a fantastic run of, of wins, but we've been beating teams that really, you know, you would expect us to win. Uh, we've yet to beat uh, any of the big guys, uh, you know, who lost against Man United, Liverpool and, and City in the league. Uh, and that's perhaps a fair reflection of, of where we are. But I, th- I think Frank summed it up really well. He said it's a bit of a reality check, and it is. But uh, I think we have to be patient with this side. And I keep going back to that point that, you know, we, we haven't been able to buy any new players to strengthen the squad's depth. And the reality is is that, you know, you, you, you've got five very young kids that are breaking through and doing really, really well. But, you know, the one thing that I've always noticed about young players is that, they they you know, you, you don't tend to get consistency from them. I think it's been amazing that they've been as good and consistent as they have been up till now, you know, uh, having said all that, I I mean, I I see Mount gets a a huge amount of criticism. I don't can't for the life of me understand why, but actually if you looked at yesterday's performance, who were the worst performers? Giroux, Pedro, you could argue William had a bit of a stinker when he came on. Um, these are not the young guys that were letting us down yesterday.
1: I I think that's a, a really key point there too. And you know, the, you talked uh, Before we recorded, we talked about the, the toxicity that exists in some of the social spheres and the amount of criticism as someone who was not on Twitter, was not watching the match, but was listening to the commentary uh, and then watched oh, some clips Lester back after. Equalized. Oh Me boy, up. okay. Sorry, we, we uh again coming to you live uh during our <laughs> recording when you will come back and listen. Uh also United uh or Villa have equalized with United. So fun stuff there, fun times. But I, I, I think you know Mount draws a lot of criticism the same way that Jorginho drew a lot of criticism last season because he was the you know the son of sorry and now we've got the uh you know Father Frank with Mesa Mount.
3: But what is been, that all about, Dan? I, I, I mean, I what just, is I, that I don't about?
1: Understand. I, I don't understand why people feel the need to ridicule or point out or look at the flaws of, of an individual. And you know, I think that the challenge is that Mason's looking for someone to play off of. You know, when we've seen Mason play really well, it's when he has Tammy to play off of and can drive in. You know, Christian was really getting a lot of the attacking opportunities that Mesa would have had previously. And, you know, even with maybe Tammy and Polisic and Mesa together, where they can interchange very well, you know, when you're trying to interchange with a a stone statue in your your striker, it, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. And so I, I don't think, you know, systematically when you have Giroux in there, when you have Pedro in there, it's going to also decrease the quality of of what experiences or what interchange or what the total team performance can actually look like because you now are playing with ten men or maybe in your you know in this case maybe nine point five when they're not playing at the level that a Premier League starter or reservist needs to play at.
3: I mean, look, I I I think that's the slightly I think they're slightly different, but you know, I think you're right. I think in a sense they're being. Treated the same, and I cannot for the life of me understand why. I mean, look, I, I didn't boo Jorginho last year because I don't boo Chelsea players when I'm at the match, it's just completely stupid and counterproductive. But I understand the opprobrium that people felt towards him because he very much, uh, you know, kind of embodied what Sarri was trying to do, and of course, you know, Sari wanted him there, and Sarri had had him. At Napoli. So he was very clearly identifiable with Sarri and a lot of the supporters that were going in week out just really didn't like Sarri. They just didn't want him. They didn't like the style of football. They didn't really care for what he was trying to do. So, you know, Jorginho was, the, was an easy target, if you like, because he was on the pitch. Unacceptable, you know, that that may have been in my view. To try and equate the same to Frank Lampard with Mason Mount, I just think defies belief Frank Lampard. Now Frank is not uh, beyond reproach or criticism. And I'd like to get onto that later if I may, but this is a guy that is arguably the greatest player that's ever played for this club. Okay. Not the greatest manager, but the greatest player, an absolute legend deserves a bit of respect for that. He's bringing in young kids who, I mean, Mason Mount has been at that club since he was eight years old. He bleeds blue. You know, these guys want to play for the club. So how you can try and, you know, pick on Mount as son of Frank in the same way that you were picking on Jorginho as son of Sarri, it's just, it's shithousery of the highest order. It's real kind of, you know, tit for tat. Oh, well, you picked on Jorginho because you didn't like Sarri. So we're going to pick on Mason Mount because, you, you know, you, because we don't like that. It's just pathetic. I cannot understand it. I really cannot understand it.
2: Fucking well, support the players, man. Well, yeah. And, and, how hard and is it? and if mason mount had underperformed this year to this point you know maybe you could have some some criticism there but mason's been great um you know tamori has has had a really solid start to his chelsea career tammy's obviously on fire yeah i think there there are just so many positives to take out of this uh you know quote unquote experiment or youth revolution that it, you know just change I, I i agree with you i think it's absurd you that you ch- would-
3: I just wonder if there's something else going on as well, and and I and I hate to sound like a, a grumpy old man here, but I am a grumpy old man. <laughs> um, football has changed a lot, and I think that a lot of uh, you know younger and and I, and I hate to tar everybody with the same brush because it's a terrible generalisation to make, and I know that. But my understanding is that these days a lot of people get more into players rather than teams you know Mm. you you, for example you get a I mean I you know I I see a lot of kids over here who wear Messi uh, shirts or Ronaldo shirts it's all about the player I mean it's the kind of the fanboy culture if you like uh you know rather than supporting a team you know which is very very different from from when I grew up when you just supported the team and and you de facto you supported all the players that played in the team apart from the ones that you were shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? I mean it's it's a very, very different thing. And maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But I, I just find it I just find it really hard to understand. Just get behind the sport the, the, the team, support the team, all the players in the team, you know? It's, it's just so counterproductive not doing that. Maybe the fact that it's on social media renders it irrelevant anyway, because you know, they're not in the ground, you could argue, but I don't know. Just, it just does my nut, and it really does. I, I think
1: you know you saw a little bit of the same impact this season when when Christian had a little bit of a challenge, didn't start right away, and you know there was you know some fans who were have, have come to Chelsea now because yeah. of Christian Pulisic because well there you, know, he's you go, proof the American of, proof of hope, needed. and. Yeah, you know, I, I think the challenges and the thing that you know we've kind of taken up as, as the onus, you know, and I include you in that charge is having the relevant conversation, the appropriate discourse to help provide the context, provide understanding to, you know, hopefully create or shape a little bit of the narrative around the the patience and the what the the toll that you know can be taken by kind of doing this to players. You know, we've seen people you know, shut off their social media accounts, turn off their comments, not post anymore. Uh, you know, these players are people too. And while they should be, you know, available to criticism for poor performances, they should also be praised rightly. And we should find a way to help transition people from supporting a player to supporting a club, uh, if we could create the right type of inclusive environment for it. And And hopefully, you know, when players transition on, you know, that they don't transition with the player they they stay and support a club because you know they've gotten a chance to know about it to learn about it to to breathe it in to taste it to feel it to touch it and that hopefully is the change that you know we through
3: media like this can help provide mm, that's a very good point dan i mean talking about pulisic i mean you know the, the reality is you know not, none of us are on the training ground none of us have our uh, you, well, I don't have a UA for B coaching license. I don't know about you guys. But we're not there. We're not in situ. We're not the ones paid to make these decisions. Frank is. He sees them on the training ground. And I think what one thing I have learned about Frank this year is that, you know, Frank very much goes on what he sees on the training ground. If you're putting it in, if you're looking good, he plays you. If you're looking tired or slightly off it, he's not going to play you. And I think he handled Pulisic brilliantly. You know, the guy had had no, no real break over the summer. Um, he needed easing in gently. You know, this was a new league to him, and I think he handled him perfectly. Because when he when he gave him his chance, by God, did he take it! And what a fantastic player he is. Uh, I mean, I had no idea that this kid is as good as he clearly is. I, I just think he's absolutely fantastic. And you know, the more he gets used to the Premier League, the better he's going to be. I think he's going to be a real player for this club. It's fantastic to see it.
2: Yeah, and he was he was the guy yesterday, uh, Chidge, to to create. I think most of our kind of guilt edge chances. Um, That was something that I I wanted to get into Frank's quotes a little bit here because um, Frank kind of said at the beginning of the match, their plan was we wanted to run uh, behind their back line. We felt like we can get it done with Mason, Pedro, and Christian. There were bright signs early on, but it petered out. The whole stadium felt a bit off today. Um, The feeling was down. We didn't do anything to up that. So it was just one of those days, unfortunately. Did did you kind of feel that that it was just kind of a, a more flat atmosphere
3: in the well, stadium? Well, I, I don't know about flat. Uh, you know, it, it was just frustrating. You know, we were frust- if you, if, you have to remember that a lot of us really don't like West Ham. You know, it, it's a derby, and and I can't stand losing to that lot. Like, I can't believe my colleagues on the Friday night version of the fancast at Love Sport—they're all going, "Oh, we don't really care about." It. I hate them. I hate losing to West Ham. It goes way back for me. So, you know, you don't want to lose to them. So you get really frustrated if you're seeing, you know, what West Ham were doing and us spurning chances and that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I, look, it, it's, it, it shouldn't be like that. You should be vocal and getting behind the team 100% all the time. But when you're wrapped up in the moment, sometimes it's hard. And, I, I you know, I, I, I was a bit grumpy. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, what can I say? You well, know, it happens you know you get frustrated
2: yeah. I think to that point too you know we're you know reading some of the uh, the quotes on the fifth stand app but uh, Frank was talking a little bit just to kind of complete the circle on the final third production and he said I haven't been happy with our play in the final third for a few games now yeah and we have to be better uh, in the boxes we need to be more inventive. Uh, my my gripe this season has been that we haven't converted enough of our chances, and today we didn't create enough. So I think that his frustration, being a goal scorer, change, uh, yeah. you know, and and being able to convert almost every single one of it, the chances it seemed that he created, um, he wants to see more from this young group, and he wants to push them to be more clinical, uh, like we were talking about earlier. And these these are kind of coming from him, you know. I know that. You know, it's easy to have conjecture between us. But when you kind of, and, and you could, you know, view it uh, when he when he went up and talked to Kundy, uh after the match, you could see how frustrated he was. He always handles it well. He always will give a wry smile here and there. But you could tell how frustrated he was yesterday.
3: Well, he hates West Ham as much as we do, <laughs> if not more, you know. <laughs> Uh, for all the obvious historical reasons, but I mean, Frank is a winner. You know, he likes to win, uh, so he he won't he won't have liked losing at all. It doesn't matter who it was against. Also, Frank, you know, Frank Frank's entire game was built on on the hard work he put in to improve himself as a player. Uh, nobody trained harder than Frank when he was at the club, and 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 you know, he will instill that in this team. I mean, I, this is why I think he's he's the perfect manager for us at, at the time. You know, because Most of the kids who are coming through will—they idolise him, you know, because they grew up with Frank being the best player we've ever had. Uh, But but it's his it's his work ethic and his his mentality on the game that I think that will be probably most important in, in in coaching these guys to to just improve and get better and better and better. So look, you know, we lost. I hate losing. I particularly hate losing to West Ham. So does Frank. But, you know, we just have to get over it, you know, because there's another game on Wednesday and uh, we need to pick ourselves up and win that game and get back on the bus. We'll talk about things
1: that are exciting or might help us win more in the future is uh, one player in particular, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, was posting a little bit of a video on social media. Nick pinged it over before we started recording, testing out that, that Achilles, kind of putting some full body weight on a little bit of a board and... Nick first off how excited that make you and second how do you feel that will impact the team heading into this uh, really really tough fixture piece
2: yeah I mean I, I don't know how close he is or anything again Chidge, we, we don't we don't get to see these sessions or whatever um I think for him to come back this season at whatever point and, and you just hope he's healthy when he does come back um, would be a massive boost for the team you know we were talking a little bit about rotation that was kind of the point of this comment you know Callum getting healthy again uh Rudiger getting healthy again Ruben getting healthy those are those are three big big cogs in the wheel uh for this team to to really be able to compete you know it, it probably would be helpful if we if we sign another striker at some point but um but as we're looking at that at the whole you know I think Ruben is especially you know if you look at yesterday's game in particular I think Ruben would have been especially um uh, part of the game plan just because he has the ability to drive the ball forward and shoot from outside the box and maybe create his own luck in a little bit of um in a, in a lot of different ways I should say so uh, i don't just want to get your perspective on how you think Ruben and maybe some of the others fit back into
3: this team when when healthy well i think i think the first thing is you know i think they're going to have to be eased in clearly rudiger's injury was far more problematic than we thought um but I think Ruben is the real issue. I mean, I, I he he's had a really, really serious injury, and I think it's compounded by the fact that you know Ruben is quite a unit. He's a he's a heavy, thick-set guy, whereas Callum Hudson Adoy is quite light and nimble. So, I mean, the thing about Ruben and talk, you know, going, just reeling it back a bit, you're right. I mean, you know, he, he he would be so important to this team right now because he offers something different because he is a very he's a big guy. And he can run with the ball and run at players in a very different way than than Pulisic does, you know, who 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 inevitably will get knocked off the ball a little bit more easier. Ruben won't. Uh, and we we don't have you know, you look at our midfield uh, of Jorginho, Kovacic, and Kante, although is just remarkable for what he does, and he's even now learnt to score, we know we're not gonna get, you know, many goals out of uh Kovacic or Jorginho, but Ruben Loftus-Cheek will bring that. He he can create he can run at people. He's a big unit, and he can score goals. So he brings a hell of a lot to the team in terms of the player we saw last year. But what will the player be like coming back from that very serious injury? I mean, there's a, you know, there's a there's a, a chance, a small chance that he might not ever be the player he was before he got that injury. And we need to get our noodle around that. I absolutely, sincerely hope that's not the case because that would be such a loss. Not just to Chelsea, but to the game, I think, because I think he's an incredible talent. so i I, I hope that he will be eased back in, not rushed back in because you know I, it's a very serious injury that he's coming back from. so he needs very, very careful handling. I would agree with that bubble
1: wrap, a protective unit of uh, crack individuals to inspect bra- blades of grass before matches mm. to make sure nothing gets in his way from a full recovery. Uh, it will be like a new signing when he returns but hopefully you know we kind of caution a, a little bit of just patience to make sure that we're not you know thinking that he is going to solve every problem i think ultimately uh, maybe getting a chance to to sign a player in january would be fantastic but uh, we might have to get it done with who is available right now and that's a, a thing to consider but i feel like we have talked about this match versus west ham enough we've covered the Interesting points, the the points about being frustrated about losing to uh, a horrible team to to do so. And we did not run a day on the match poll, sorry, apologise, traveling, but with Chidge here, we wanted to take a moment and talk mm. about a new project that he's been working on, Chelsea Special. And so I'd like to turn it over to you to maybe tell everybody what's about, why you're doing it, and share, you know, with everyone who's listening where they can find it.
3: Well, okay. I mean, basically, um it's really not my idea at all i mean there's a guy called martin king who uh is quite a well known a very old school uh chelsea supporter uh been going since the 60s i think his first match was 1961 uh but he kind of grew up uh as supporter culture was really developing in the 60s uh the good and the bad bits of it i hasten to add uh he's quite he's kind of well known for 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 three books really he co-authored uh, the uh, autobiography, or not the autobiography, the biography of Peter Osgood, which is called "Ozzy: the King of Stamford Bridge. And he did that with Martin Knight, who's also pretty well known in Chelsea circles. Uh, but he also wrote with Martin Knight, uh, Hoolifan, which is a hilarious book, which kind of chronicles what it was like to be a Chelsea supporter growing up in the 60s, the 70s and the 80s and all the trouble, basically. Um and then he's kind of followed that up with another one called Hula Fan Two, which is a, another cracking read. But I bumped into him at the, at the CFC UK stall, and uh, uh, you know he was talking to Marco because he had this idea to do podcasts. And Marco said, "Well, you need to speak to this bloke." So we got talking, and his idea really was to um, interview uh, as many you know former players, uh, former players, also some. You know kind of well known uh fans, whether they be pop stars or or actors as well as you know famous fans that that people know you know interview them and and release them as podcasts so that was the the, the genesis of the idea uh but martin was also very i mean he, you know he kind of figured out that if if i mean he didn't really know me and he kind of got to know me but he kind of figured out very quickly that if if he and I interviewed them we would probably get more out of them than other people might do because we know our onions. And Martin, you know, interviewing people like Bobby Tambling, Martin watched Bobby Tambling play in the 60s. I didn't. I was, you know, only born in 1965. So I was at a slight disadvantage there, but I still know my onions. So a combination of us two is getting some really unbelievable content from these guys. And I think it's because they trust us. You know, because they see, you know, they they see our kind of credibility, if you like, and they open up as a result of that. Um, the other huge part of it was that Martin, you know, quite rightly understood that a lot of these older players didn't earn any money from the game, so we've kind of treated it as a as a professional proje- uh, project, and we're paying you know all of the interviewees, and we, we've we've already invested about fifteen hundred quid in this so far. So for that reason, we're, we are having to charge because we need to try and recoup some of the costs. So we had, as you will know, we had a lot of ball ache trying to find a platform where you can basically just charge for an individual podcast. Uh, and Patreon doesn't really cut it. Anchor doesn't really cut it. So we found this uh, platform called Podbean, which allows us to you know, basically put a, an individual podcast up, charge for it. which we, we charge £2.99 per podcast and people can download that and, and listen to it. But uh, aside from all that, I mean, they're just, I mean, look, I, I, I've been doing this for 12 years now, and I, I have never, in terms of Chelsea content, been more excited about doing these interviews. I mean, these guys are just so brilliant to talk to. And what shines through with them is is just how much they love the club. I mean, they absolutely love the club and they love the supporters. And, as I said, it's just fascinating. Some of the anecdotes that they come up with, as well. Uh, I mean, it's just just brilliant stuff. So we've got. I mean, we've done we've done about ten so far. Uh, we've done Bobby Tambling, uh, Chopper Harris, Kerry Dixon. Uh, we've done uh, Colin Pates, who was the uh, the club captain in the eighties. Tommy Baldwin, who of course has a very famous song and was one of the kings of the kings road players johnny Bumps did another big midfield stalwart from uh from the 60s john boyle who was one of the fa cup and european cup winners cup uh winners uh who else have we done goodness me uh gary chivers who of course a lot of people will know because uh you know he's he's now doing his own kind of little podcast on a uh, well he does a, he does a little kind of thing on a match day at the fimber arms but he he was well known in the 70s and the 80s uh we've also interviewed a guy called Danny Harkins who you you lot might not have heard but Danny was basically the leader of the Shed boys in the early 60s and the 70s and quite a a, a notorious character but hilarious we, we interviewed him the other week but i mean i mean we've got a list of about 100 people as i said they cover former players from you know uh kind of the 60s onwards really and and a lot of well-known fans because of course Martin and i know a lot of people so you know we've got some pretty good contacts and we can get in and amongst all of this lot so we're just going to keep plugging away and doing it i mean we're having a little breather at the moment while we get these first 10 out um but it's really for us it's just about it's about you know getting the word out there because uh, you know it's it's a bit you again you will understand this implicitly as do i having done the fan cast when you do a podcast like like the fan cast and like you do with london is blue you just put it out there on all the platforms and it's a lot it's very very easy to find it when you do something like this when it's this is kind of like a if you like a narrow cast it's a very very different gig you know because you have to point people to it otherwise they don't find it and I do accept that it is a bit off the wall trying to you know charge people for content in a world where people expect content to be free but hopefully a combination of the fact if people understand that you know We've we've done this so that we can put some money in the players' pockets and also, uh, you know, to kind of cover our costs, then hopefully they'll understand why we're charging for it. But uh, uh, the first place to go, really, if you want to listen to them, it's chelseaspecial.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Uh, we're in the process of making a website, which will be, ch- uh, I think it's chelseaspecial.com. Uh, In the meantime, I'm kind of warehousing it on the Chelsea FanCast website, which is ChelseaFanCast.com. And if you just go to uh, ChelseaFanCast.com, you'll find a page there, which is uh, the Chelsea Special. And the nice thing about that, and this is for me, I mean, in a sense, boys, it's kind of like a legacy project. So, you know, what I'm trying to do uh, with the, which ultimately it'll be on the Chelsea Special website, but what I'm doing at the moment with the Chelsea FanCast website is creating a blog around the content. So, you get a little bit of blurb about the player and what they were about at their stats but also lots of youtube clips of them playing in action so it's amazing the rabbit hole you can go down when you get into youtube so i'm sure you boys well know but i mean you know like johnny Bumstead, for example that i that i put up last week you know there's a lot of guys out there who won't won't have any idea who this guy is but he he played for chelsea for 409 games scored 44 goals he was like a like a little cante in his day absolutely brilliant player and uh scored some cracking goals. And I've got footage up there of him scoring uh, a goal against Spurs in 1990, which was the first match of our 28-year unbeaten home run against Spurs. So there's clips like that. There's clips of uh, him playing against Liverpool. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. So if you ever kind of want to get a flavor of what it was like watching these guys in those days, then then you know check out those blogs too, because they're absolutely worth their way in gold. But the podcasts on their own are great. I mean, I as I know I'm completely and utterly biased, but I mean, <laughs> if people get half the enjoyment that I got, you know, doing them as they do listening to them. Then our job is done, I think.
1: Well, as the best type of ringing endorsement, the individual or creator can put behind their work. And I, and I think, you know, we appreciate the fact and you know, I'll let Nick kind of cap off on it here too. That you're taking, you know, the massive undertaking in a way that's respecting the players, the the fact that maybe they weren't earning the wages that you hear about in, in football today. It's not like the wages were always like that, and chronicling these experiences and these you know stories for future generations, so that as that base of of Chelsea supporters continues to grow throughout the years, that you know we'll have something to look back on and to listen on or listen into that really helps just expand our understanding and you know, give us better perspective about what it meant to be a Chelsea supporter or a Chelsea player in, in those eras. Yeah. Well, and, you, and
2: I, oh, go ahead. Chid, sorry.
3: No, go on, go on. Well, I was just going to say you're, you're absolutely spot on Nick. I mean, the thing is a lot of these guys, particularly the guys in the sixties, they might not be around much longer, you know, they're all getting on a bit. So we, we kind of felt that it, we needed to get something now, you know, and, and as you said, I mean, you know, we, we we've not made really any money out of this at all. We've hardly made any back because it's so hard to get people to know where these bloody things are. But, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Really, ultimately for us, it was about, it's a, it's a legacy project, as I said. It's to get on record some of these guys who, in their time, were as big legends as John Terry and Frank Lampard were to the club. You know, that's, that's the reality. So, you know, to, to get hold of that now before we, we don't have the chance to do that. Sorry, Nick, to butt in.
2: No, no. I mean, it, it was what we were talking to uh, to Marco about a couple of weeks ago. When we had him on, uh, you know, in some of these stories, whether from the fans' perspective or from the players themselves. In your case, I think it's just incredibly poignant for for our audience who who haven't been going to matches consistently over the last sixty years to get a really unique perspective about what builds the club into what it is today right so i i'm a big fan of history i love seeing uh you know stories like this come through and to be fair to us we need to do a better job of promoting this uh on your behalf but no it's uh, very
3: kind you don't have to but that's lovely i that really yeah. is a very sweet thing it, it does make a huge difference
2: to me and, and reading some of marco's books from from gate 17 or or listening to this podcast it, it gives us a sense of perspective in history that i think if you if you do care about that kind of thing as a chelsea fan is a really great vehicle um, that you are are providing, so the the cost of of paying the you know the uh, the interviewees uh, should be kind of no sweat off of of anyone's back, and and I hope that people are are eager to support and contribute.
3: Well, there you go. I mean, it's two pound ninety nine. I don't know what that is in the states. Probably about five dollars, isn't it? But I mean, over here that's less, as you well know, because you've been to the Cock Tavern. That is less than the, the cost the, the cost of a pint over here is about five pounds now, isn't it? So there yeah. you go. It's about about the cost of half a pint, you know, for for about. I mean, some. I mean, I did old oh, canners, of course. I've done canners. I mean, I haven't edited that one yet, but it's two and a half hours of bloody content with canners. <laughs> it won't be two and a half hours when I've cut it down, but you know, you're getting about you know 45 minutes an hour of these guys' time, and it's just fascinating to listen to. I mean, I hearing hearing, for example, Gary Chivers uh, talking about. Uh, Ron Harris mentoring him, and and pointing in the right direction. Where him, you know, being a real kind of father figure to him. Hearing Bobby Tambling talking about what it was like to play and learn from Jimmy Greaves before he went to Spurs, and also comparing Jimmy Greaves and his importance to that Chelsea team with Eden Hazard before he left. You know, and that that was what it was like. They would just leave it to Jimmy because he would score very much like we did with Hazard last season. So getting this kind of insight from these players, that as I said, I mean, Bobby Tamling's our, our second highest goal scorer, for God's sake. You know, so it's absolutely... I mean, you know, you've interviewed him. He's, he's a lovely, lovely guy, and it's absolutely. just fascinating to hear him. So there you go. So yeah, I'm, I'm as you can tell, I'm very passionate about this one. And equally, the the, the the supporters as well. Some of the supporters that you won't know, but to hear... Danny talking about what it was like, you know, being in the shed end in the sixties and going away and taking a few ends as it happens. I mean, it's just absolutely brilliant because it's a different world now. That all that side of football, all that type of support, it's gone. So it's a real, lovely contextual understanding of where we came from. Well, please,
1: please check it out. It is a not only a labour of love from uh, from and others, but it is going to be a great way. To get your knowledge game on and really understand a little bit more, hear some great stories as we wrap up. Because, uh, really, Chidge going long was just some great audio, some great content to cover us to the league table as we get out of here. Liverpool is still on top at 40 points, Leicester nicked it at the yes. end 2 1. Chidge is very some happy. Money coming. 32 points. Uh, The first round of pints are on him. Next time we're over, Man City at 29 points. Chelsea in fourth at 26. Spurs climbing up the table under a new manager who will not be named. 20 points. Wolves right behind them. Uh, just on goal well, difference. They'll, in six. No, they'll have
2: twenty-one, right? Or wait, no, this was updated. Uh, this is this is yep. this is tw- yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Sheffield's still in looking at those Europa League spots and licking their lips at nineteen points. Arsenal on nineteen today after a draw versus Norwich. Man United on eighteen points, uh, and then we go Burnley, da, 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 da. and then at the end, Southampton, Norwich, and Watford. But uh, Everton not far out of oh, the relegation zone themselves.
2: I think the point change would be that in a a terrible result for us, really only saw Leicester and Spurs capitalize in in any significant way. You know, United, Wolves, Sheffield, um, all drawing is is a massive, you know, an Arsenal as well, but I don't really consider them as much of a threat, but. Um, that's a that's kind of a, a
3: sigh of relief if you're Frank Lampard, right? Well, you say that, and I mean one one thing I I, I know because I mean as, as I, was, I think I'm saying this to you off air, I, I'm now doing the uh, the Love Sport Radio Breakfast Show on a Sunday morning, which is quite an interesting show to do because of course it's right on the back of all the Saturday fixtures and before the Sunday fixtures kick off, and uh, you know having kind of done that to death this morning, you know the takeout that I have from all of this. Uh, you know, let's be honest. We want Chelsea to do as well as we possibly can this year. And, and I think that means we, you know, apart from anything else, we want them to finish in the top four. And we want them to finish in the top four because we want to play in the Champions League next year. And up till now, it's been like, yeah, no problem. I mean, Liverpool and Man City are, are, are untouchable. Leicester, well, yeah, they're a good side. But thank, thank God Tottenham, Arsenal, and Man United have all been shit. Because that makes it a lot easier for us to get in the top four, and then suddenly, boom! Tottenham two wins back to back. They're now six points behind us. Arsenal seven points behind us. Man United uh, eight points behind us. That's not too far away. And Arsenal may get some sort of a manager bounce with Emery going. I think Tottenham. Are, I mean, Tottenham are a decent side. Let's be under no illusion here. What happened to them was that. You know, they just got tired of uh, Pochettino and he couldn't turn it round. They are a good side. This is a side that got to the yeah. Champions League final last season. And Mourinho, you know, he he may lose the plot and, and, and destroy the club in about two years' time. But in the meantime, he will get them going. And I tell you what, he's got a point to prove as well. So I would be very worried about Spurs. Um you know, and I wouldn't count Arsenal and United out at the end of the day. And I mean, Wolves. Wolves were like in the bottom three three weeks ago. Look at them now. They're in six. And Sheffield yeah. United, who knows? They may they may suffer a blip come the turn of the year as uh promoted clubs often do. But they're they're a they're a decent side too. So it ain't a foregone conclusion that we're gonna finish in the top four. We're gonna have to play very, very well. And you know, bear in mind we might not be able to make any additions to the squad. In January so it's not going to be easy no well, and, for sure. and we want
1: to get uh, get you out of here on the most positive note possible listeners with uh, Chidge going off about <laughs> the <laughs> about the table as it stands because we were not done recording yet but because uh, we, we need to thank you for your time thank you for coming on and uh you know really it was just great to uh to catch up with you and uh hear
3: what's been going on well i mean guys i, I apologize apologies for just being so bloody busy and not having been on for ages and ages i mean i know i mean i you know i, I know i know the yanks who i love as you know very very much i love you all but i'm a, I, I should be a bit more mindful that perhaps your sense of humor isn't quite like ours uh, <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and i and i was kind of worried that maybe my little digs on the on the on the fan cast were perhaps being taken uh, more literally than they were meant. I was really uh, just having a bit of fun. Uh, but clearly, uh, you you did understand my sense of humor because you, you, you... Well, I don't know. Maybe you felt that I was being... <laughs> 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 true, because you sounded quite guilty when you asked me on the show. But in all honesty, I was just having a bit of fun, and it's—I love coming on the show, and it's—I mean, I love coming on the show because I love talking to you guys. Because I don't—we don't see you enough because you're, you know, three, four thousand miles away, which is far too far, and it'd be lovely to see you in the pub every week. That's how it would, how it should be, but I know that it's difficult. So uh, it's always great to catch up with you guys.
2: Much love to you, Podfather Chidge. We will—we'll uh, definitely talk to you soon, and hopefully. Uh, We can make one of these Sundays after your Sunday show uh, work uh, in the not-too-distant future, huh?
3: Anytime, mate. Anytime for you guys. You know that.
2: All right,
1: Chelsea fans. Well, that is it. That's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Chin up. It's going to get better. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.